All right. Cause and the clothes. See if KG picks clothes. up. I suppose. I just want to be. I just want to be successful. <laughs> I just want to be successful. Hello. Hello. Are you asleep? No, I'm watching TV. Oh, bit, bit. Be in the game. Say no more. Like, is this your first podcast? Yes, this is my first podcast. Like, do you listen to podcasts at all? One more time. Do you listen to podcasts at all? Like, do you got any podcasts you listen to? I listen, not on a daily, but when I was, somebody who goes to my school started one and I started listening to her. So. Let's get started. Hope that counts. Yeah, I'm just exactly. curious. That counts. All right. So, KG, go ahead and give us just a little brief introduction. Um, Just some brief about yourself. Who are you? Who is KG? What does she do? What's her passion? All right. Got you. Hello, everyone. My name is Caitlin Gilliam. I'm currently a rising senior at Howard University. I'm a fashion design major, and I am from Madison, Alabama. You know, born and raised. Not born, but raised, for sure. Uh, My passion is fashion design. What I want to do with that, I just kind of want to reach people to kind of amplify their self-esteem how they feel about themselves and the clothes they wear to make them feel comfortable, make them feel seen. I'm all about inclusivity. And then, yeah, inclusivity and just making people feel good and wonderful and bringing, like, bright, happy, fun, camp clothes to the world. So that's me, that's KG. What's camp? I like to have fun. Camp is, like, something that might be tacky to others. It's like a fashion thing. It's like typically tacky, okay. but it's high fashion. Okay, okay. Sounds good. You said tacky? I think it's like, um, like, is it like that worn kind of like, or is it like, it's like kind of like the colors like don't always like um, coordinate together, but like it's intentional? Yeah, it's intentionally. Okay, Jordan. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning so, something. You feel me? All right. So, <laughs> so how did you so get yeah, into basically, fashion? Oh my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna give you like the definition of cam. I just googled it real quick. Okay. So yeah, good, basically good, just good. Uh, something that's appealing because of its bad taste and ironic value. Okay. So it's something that's like, oh, like why would they make that? But it's like it works. Mm-hmm. Or it's funny because of this this type of situation type of thing. But how did I get into fashion? Yeah. Um, it actually started when I was like younger, about I want to say middle school. Um, and then that's about when I was about twelve years old, so like seventh grade. You know, like many people in the south, I grew up in the church, and at my church, we learned how to sew. Mm. You know, it was practically like basic stuff, like you know, pillows and blankets, quilting. But I always had, like, the need or, you know, like, the, the burning, like, desire to, like, 
make a shirt or some clothes. So like every time we'd be in the sewing room, I'd be like, can I make a shirt today? Or, you know, can I make some pants today? Mm. Even though we're supposed to be like making like pillows. And I think back when initially introduced me to sewing, my dad taught me how to hand sew. Mm. And then I learned how to machine sew at church. So I think like the first, the first couple of like things that I made, like DIY wise, I had like a holographic belt and a jean jacket. Cut the sleeves off my jean jacket because you know that was the style, like, you know, 2013, 2014. And I tried to like sew a leather belt onto the jean jacket with a needle. Mm. And it was fire, it was fire, but it was just like, you know how hard that is, like leather and yeah. denim. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really wild, really wild to me. But I think knife, after that, not a needle. I ended up making some denim boots as well. So that that was kind of the beginning. That was the origin. But I know for the most part, for me, it stems from kind of not being seen mm-hmm. in general. Like I've always had a, a whole thing where I didn't have a lot of friends in middle school. I didn't really have nobody to talk to, express myself to. And so it was like, if nobody's just gonna like notice I'm there. What if I wear kind of like outrageous things, you know, like amplify my style and maybe that'll get me noticed. Mm. And it it kind of was a thing like this would be something to grab people's attention. And then it just, it became like a a medium for me to express myself. And then from there, like actually finding myself. Mm. And, you know, it just, it ended up working for me. It's pretty dope. That is beautiful. Um, So like, do you feel like you were a natural um, when you were beginning to learn these skills, I guess I know your dad taught you, um, and you were learning through the church. Was it something that just came naturally to you, or did you just have the desire to work at it and I, get better? I think I would say that. Hmm, great question. I think I'm going to say that it did come to me naturally. I like to say that I'm a fast learner, just in general, but. Honestly, once I kind of like got sewing down, it was up and I was trying to make anything that I could. And even like thinking back on, you know, like you think about your gifts and your purpose. We were younger. You would always like play designer to church. We're going to like make wedding dresses and I'm sketching the dresses out. So like I've always had that like artistic ability of like drawing and then mixing it with sewing. It's always kind of been there, like, but like foreshadowed type of feel. Like it was never something I really was like heavily dependent on until it was like right in my face. Like this is tight. Like this is it comes to me naturally. It works for me. And I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this work for me. I'm just gonna keep on doing what I love. I feel. Would you say it's something that maybe runs in your family? Because you said your dad taught you how to sew. Like you say, your mom had some connects, and Mikhail, he was in school with us. He always had his own style for real, for real. Or is it just you was the only one that was really being into fashion? Repeat it one more time. Oh, my bad. Like, is it something that runs in your family? Like, um, you say your dad taught you how to sew, and, like, your mom mm-hmm. uh, had some connects and stuff, and Mikhail always had his own style. Or has it just been you that's really been in the fashion? Or is it like a family thing? So, funny enough, I only found out this recently. 
recently that it, it is like it runs in my family. Um, I found out that my late grandma was actually like a, a garment factory worker and she sewed clothes. I never knew that my whole life until she died. Oh, uh, that's the connection that I have for her. But other than that, like there's nobody else to really pursue fashion the way I did. Other than just having like the knowledge of like you know, just knowing how to handle. Okay, yeah, that was that's pretty cool. Like it's crazy how you can like go back into your history and like um it really molds who you are. Like so if you know your history you can kinda figure out what you're good at, what you might not be good at. It's in the blood. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I think, I like to think that our family trees have so many connections that are like untapped into. But it's all, it's all connected like that. So I think that's another dope thing about this, you know, kind of being in the black community because it's just kind of like, we feel kind of close-knit even if we're not like directly tied to family because we have like, you know, like similar like experiences and stuff like that. But it's all connected, and that's what's beautiful, honestly. So, when do you, let's say, like, so you said you kind of, like, got, it kind of started seventh grade, things like that. When did you know, all right, cool, this is what I'm going to do? Like, you're at Howard right now, um, you're studying fashion. When did you just know, all right, this is what I'm going to do? Like this, this is it. I'm a major in that. I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life, type thing. So I think I think like many people, I I had to dream to become you know a rapper, mm. a musician. Uh, oh, you be rapping now? And uh, KG on the beat. I do not be rapping. I I can freestyle a bit. You know, I don't know about with this voice, but <laughs> definitely wanted to get into music. It's, you know, also in the church choir and stuff like that. I kind of just realized that as far as like me being realistic with myself, of um, trying to go for something that came way more like naturally for me and was working and just figuring out like, hmm, what something my mom asked me, actually, my mom asked me, what would you rather be doing at like 3 a.m. in the morning? when you're, you're super tired. And then, like, that defines your passion and you should pursue it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I think I would stay up to 3 a.m. on an garment and I would enjoy it. And I would stay up until it's kind of as good as I could get it at that moment because I feel like anytime I make a garment, I get better than a lap. So I'm not going to say, you know, perfected. But it was definitely like that moment, like this is something that I would do at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know. Tired, tired is I don't know what, but I got to get it done. It, it was one of them type of feelings. So it was something that I was like so sure of that I needed to go into to see like what that industry was. Because even like being in Alabama, it wasn't a lot of like, like, you know, like fashion fashion seem like that at all honestly mm-hmm. and if there was it wasn't prominent enough that like I knew people to talk to yeah so it's just something I, you, you hear about like in Atlanta or you hear about it in California you hear about it in New York City mm-hmm. but in Alabama it was just kind of like 
don't even know. So where did you draw your, like your inspiration from coming up? Like who were the people you looked at and was like, oh, that's fine. Like I really shop with them. I like to say unconventionally, I didn't really study a lot of like industry heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I did draw my inspiration from the music I listened to. Um, I like, I was on that kind of like the skater type of scene. So I really love Tyler Creator, okay. Tiana Taylor. Justine Sky, like kind of Frank Ocean is my favorite artist of all time. Oh. So kind of drawing inspiration from their music okay. and even like TV shows that I used to watch, That's like dope. really big on like kind of cartoons. So I guess like my aesthetic wise and just kind of being kind of like bright and like colorful things, very vibrant and vivid things to express myself. It's kind of like through that lens, you know what I'm saying? So when you transfer, like it's cool, like one medium, like you using music and you transfer that into fashion and that is pretty dope right there. So when it comes to like the culture, like uh, you said you like into skater stuff, like what, like are you into like other like types of music or is it like really hip hop culture that speaks to you? Like were you into like Avril Lavigne or something like that? Mm, pop culture in what way i don't know because like uh i think like just hip-hop culture like was just a big impression on all of us but like coming up like i started venturing out into like just other stuff just looking at like um like did bands or anything because like uh green day they had like colorful stuff was there just like any other influences like on your art or your design other oh, than, like, hip-hop? Other than, like, hip-hop? Um, I wouldn't say heavily. I think Mariana's probably my closest thing to, like, pop. But I think I definitely was heavily influenced by her fashion as well. And then just, like, the colored hair and looks that she would do. I'm going to have to throw Nicki Minaj in there okay. to see her pop phase as well. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I drew a lot of, like, inspiration from... Like white pop stars, like I definitely listened to them and they were cool. But like I I don't think I really kind of like picked up on them as much. Okay. Okay, cool. As other ones. So I don't know, it wasn't that heavy. It was just kind of like I was able to kind of see like basic things that I liked or like in your like your daily household items. And then kind of be like, what would that look like as a garment if it was placed here? With this kind of sleeve. It, it, was, it was kind of like that. It's kind of like a a puzzle piece mm. that only I can like envision at the moment. Like, I think that's kind of what it is. So my inspiration is kind of unconventional in the sense that it's not so much of me like drawing mood boards or kind of being really organized with it. Yeah. It's like I might see somebody on the street and I'm like, at work and then my mind just kind of starts taking me to places like this could work with this type of like making like this next style and these colors and these patterns would normally work together what they do and then it just all kind of like spirals into a big snowball so what so say you're inspired and like say you're walking down the street and like you're inspired by something and like you go home like how does the process start from you like 
do you go grab materials first? Like figure out, like, do you write, do you draw it first? Like, how do you process like and start like creating? So I start off my process by writing down the idea. Sometimes I'm just like out and about and I'm like, that would be such a good idea. I write it down. Then I it it kind of switches around. I like to sketch, but sometimes I might end up at the fabric store and then that's a whole nother like area of like kind of getting inspired to make something because you might be like, this garment could go crazy as a dress or some pants and it's I want to make it hot out of this. It will go stupid. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's kind of like, I like to write it down, just sketch out, go to the fabric store. And then from there, because I think for the longest, I just didn't have like the technical skills to kind of piece together like my grand ideas. Mm. So I would just go on YouTube and see how to sew this type of thing, grab like patterns for certain pants or dresses. And then just tweak it the way I needed to so I could, like, fulfill my business. That's frustrating, like, uh, because I've experienced that. I think, like, when I'm, like, trying to make, like, a graphic or something or, like, uh, something, like, visual for, like, our podcast or just, like, a video, even, like, in sports, like, your mind, like, works faster than, like, your brain or, like, your, um, like, your hands or, like, you can't create everything like you got up here. Mm-hmm. It is almost frustrating because it's like, bro, that would be far. It would be far. And then it's like, you got to try to interpret what you're thinking to somebody else. Yeah. And it doesn't work out. But it's like, I just want to create exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> I hate that. I swear, bro. It's, and it's, but it's like, none of us are alone with that. Like, anyone in the creative field is not alone with that. Like, I just kind of with my friends all the time. But like, our skills don't amount to our potential, mm-hmm. but it's just—it's really a whole thing about patience okay. because you're gonna get there regardless. Because I—I really think we're destined to do with the path. I think everything is set in stone. I'm one of those people that's like everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because it's even you know something might be like oh this is not supposed to be like this or I can't do this right now, but it's like maybe. I'm not ready for that at the moment. But once you get there, how unstoppable you become. For sure. Yeah. Unmatched. It's literally unmatched. So it's, it's, it's really a frustrating. and I feel you on that. But I think what keeps me kind of like leveled is knowing that I'm going to get there regardless because it's destined to be. Yeah. And that grind that you like go through acquiring those skills will make it so much like more fulfilling once you actually do like get to where you want to go or create what you want to create. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I know you were saying like, um, like this is your first time in New York. Um, well, let me go back. Um, what was your experience like with the, I think it was like the Gucci change. The Gucci change maker? Yes, Gucci Changemaker. Um, what was um, that experience? How did that come about? What's a Gucci Changemaker? So, I think it's. I think it's also. I want to go back and kind of like give you a little background because I think it's important. Because, you know, I was. I really wasn't supposed to go to Howard University. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go to like Norfolk State. My dad wanted me to stay in Alabama. 
or I was going to go to like SCAD in Atlanta or Savannah, Georgia. But it was just kind of something that I felt so gravitated towards. I was like, I really want to be at HBCU. I wanted to be a part of their fashion program. And I spent like my research. So you know how people are like, I don't know how we're going Wait, well, I'm sorry, did you hear that? You went out. You went out at um he was kinda saying you um went to Howard. That wasn't where you anticipated going. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Can okay, you? so basically I wasn't really supposed to be at Howard according to my family and other people who trying to kinda of deter me away from going to the university. But I felt very like gravitated toward going. And it was because I kind of did my research based upon like how are they like how's their fashion culture at the school how are they doing their fashion shows like on what scale is it the connections and stuff like that and basically they just happen to be the ones that have the most like like they were just in the forefront it was just kind of like i watched so many youtube videos about it i was so sure that i was going to go to that school and it eventually ended up panning out and happening and the, the way I got Gucci Changemakers is, so we had a fashion show and we ended up getting, it wasn't Gucci sponsorship. I think it was like a coach sponsorship in a fashion show. So it was like, we're starting to kind of get that, that designer like recognition. And then they started kind of noticing our program. And then it's like, also, they're also looking towards, you know, like building or bridging that gap just between black creators and black designers and things and such like that. So they, Gucci actually reached out to my school for the Gucci Changemakers like, program and was like, you want people at your school to apply. And so basically what I did for myself is I just applied myself to doing it. I just, I saw in the dark, I believed that I could do it. I believed that it would happen. I claimed it like it was mine, like it was, it was already set up. And I just really felt it was for me and it, it just happened that it really was. So it was, it was really beautiful how it panned out because, you know, like college is such a spot in the dark and, you know, it's like, it's like the lottery ticket. You go, you put the numbers in, you like, I ain't finna get that, but I try, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. but to actually like hear back about it, become a finalist and then actually be a part of the first cohort of the Gucci Changemakers it was such a surreal moment for me because all it really does is reaffirm that you're on the right track and everything like that so the program in itself was just originally like a scholarship and a mentorship within the program and with that it was just you know a lot of you know PR moves you know just that connection having that connection with the fashion industry that people my age normally don't. And I, I, I think, I want to say I was like 19 at the time, currently 20 at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I was like 19 at the time. So it's so crazy because I'm like, life is kind of moving so fast. I'm working with Gucci. I'm 19 years old. I'm so young. I have a whole future ahead of me. But it was like so huge. And, 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 and I know it was huge for Alabama too because it's like, you just don't, you just don't see, you know, you just don't see Stuff like that every day or hear about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it was like definitely monumental. 
And I want to add that um, even like after getting the scholarship, it ended up spiraling into a summer program. And that's how I got my first internship with Gucci. And basically that was, we were doing workshops with almost every department. It's like a rotational internship. So learned about every department within Gucci, you know, how it works. We ended up having kind of like a case study project, group project amongst rest of the change makers or the recipient. And we got to kind of tell them how they could better cater to Generation Z, what they're doing wrong, you know, like not even wrong, but how could they improve in their omni-channel? Basically, like how can they better expand their business that cater to sustainability in terms of like resale? So it was definitely a great opportunity to kind of get a fresh take on you know, where the young, like us young people want to see the industry going. And then even on their part to kind of, them kind of give us the industry tea. You don't just get, if you're just on the internet like Google, you know, or you're watching YouTube videos, you know, they only say so much. What's and your, it was just, my bad. it was such an experience. What was your favorite part? Like, what was just like the funnest part of the whole like experience? What's up, All In family? I need you to do a couple things for me. I need you to like, share, subscribe, rate, comment, you know, all that good stuff on every platform that we've got, man. That's what I need you all to do right now. We love you guys. If I see you not doing the correct things, if I see some dislikes or some bad comments, I'm going to find you. Don't worry, I will. Y'all be safe. Peace. My favorite part about the Gucci Changemakers is seeing people that look like me at the top, you know, like in these industries, and those executive positions, like you just you just don't get to see that on a day to day basis. So, kind of being able to be on the forefront of being in the program and seeing people that look like me, helping me, making these changes so it can be more accessible, the industry can be more accessible and inclusive. That was nice, and I, I also really love when they brought in June Ambrose. That that was just a very June Ambrose. She's a stylist. You might know her for styling Missy Elliott. Oh. And okay, basically very much that's a, a styling pioneer. For sure, because Missy had no fits back in the day. Exactly. You know, her most notorious fit styled by June. And she basically came and talked to us in like a seminar. And it was it was so empowering. This is kind of hear her talk about where she came from and her thought process and how she just, she really turned around the whole like, you know, stereotypical look of how you're supposed to look in hip hop. You know, she put, she put, you know, black men in pink and fur and, you know, gave them that femininity that like nobody was like really on right at the time. So 
it was so dope to just kind of hear her thought process behind that. And then just also just have literally a living legend talk to you. And I'll never forget it because I'm also in the styling as well. So it just kind of made it like, it just kind of made a space that you just really don't have to stand in one box. And then I'm able to really stand in every field that I'm interested in. And that's that. And I think that's what makes me unique. That's what makes us all unique is that we don't, we have duality. And we don't have to stand in one field or, you know, one practice. We do anything. Literally anything. That's deep. Um, so I'm gonna go back. I know, and then I'm gonna fast forward. But I know you were saying like your parents or your family did was kind of deterring you from going to Howard, and it's because one they wanted you to stay close. But what else? Why else were they like trying to deter you? Like I remember I mentioned Howard to my dad, and he was like, "That's kind of far, man." I'm like, "Okay, you know, I'm trying to go out to school," and I ultimately chose Morehouse, <laughs> but um, either way, it was going to be an HBCU. So what was another, or like all the reasonings as to why they weren't trying to allow you to go and make that move? I think I just, I think it really got to a point for me that I, I had to make an executive decision for myself. But I had a lot of people just kind of doubting my, my passion, what I was into. Like, it was times where, like, everybody, you know, everybody's talking about college and high school. And they're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going into biology, you know. I'm gonna go on into mathematics. I'm going into aerospace. You know, you know, it, it was so STEM focused. Mm. Being in, you know, that part of like Huntsville, you know, Madison, all of that. And all I say, fashion, and everybody's just like, oh, like it was just, it was uninteresting to them. You know, it wasn't really much of an encouragement. And I remember that I was talking to somebody from. It was, it was a young lady from A&M. She's probably not young. She's older than me. She's in class. But I, I was talking to my partner, my teacher, just what I was going to do after school. And I told her I was going to Howard for fashion design. And she kind of snapped and she was like, this is what's wrong with kids. Like, they think they want to go to Howard. It costs so much money. You could just go anywhere else. We got fashion programs and stuff like that. So it, it was always kind of like a that's way so much that's too much money like it's not worth it it's just just fashion you can do it anywhere like but it it just wasn't the case like me doing fashion in Alabama didn't make sense Mm -hmm. and my dad didn't really want me to go anywhere outside of Alabama he also wanted me to go to like a predominantly white school Mm. and I just knew that I it it wasn't my thing like my mom I grew up she worked at like so many HBCUs Going to PWI was not, it was not in my vibe at all. I was like, can't do it. I let me go to Auburn so bad. And I was just like, me? In orange and blue? I'm crying. Like that? That I'm turns crying. into brown. Really? I'm just doo doo. Nah, for real, because that's definitely like the wave here is like, uh, just like following the STEM path. Yeah, you know? hey, hey, look, look. Y'all ain't got to do that, no. I mean, my degree is like part of the STEM. I did feel like when she said that, I was like, oh. It's not even hating on STEM, but it's just like, if you don't say like one of like three degrees, people really aren't as interested or they'll hit you with the. What you going to do with it? Like if it's an artistic degree, they'll be like, you can just do that like without wasting your money. And it's like, it's not the same as going there and getting an energy. Yeah. Or they just think that like, you can't really 
you can make money with that. And it's just like, nobody's kind of like really trying to root for you, but they think it's just going to be you as a struggling artist. And I think another point to that, like, and it's dope. I love people in STEM. It's just, I am such like a creative. I cannot stand it. Short attention span, cannot focus on nothing. But also, like, even the scholarships in the area, all around STEM, I didn't, I couldn't apply to any of them. I, I just was not going into like the sciences or the math or just on that, tr- like that track. Yeah. You need to like, if you ever like, do and we're gonna ask you questions about this later. If you ever do like a um like do your business and stuff, like you need to put that story in there. Cause I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that like relate to that, like following their dreams, going to an HBCU, even though it's like costly, like pursuing like their artistic, creative like passion and not like falling into like the trap of like following the trends. Like there's a lot of people that resonate with that. So that's dope for real. Yeah. And I also feel like like yeah, STEM is like yeah. They be like, you go get a STEM degree, cool. You get a job straight up, but it's not yeah. as independent. Um, like with fashion or with business or some of this other stuff, you can kind of go and do your own thing. With STEM, is like you gotta hop into this corporation. You gotta get a higher degree to get this independence to be able to kind of create and work on your own there's so much money involved exactly. with getting equipment all this other stuff like with fashion and other things like that you can make something out of nothing literally and you know yeah it's it's just awesome so yeah, it's cool no for sure i agree 100 percent um 100 like I couldn't imagine being in school for like six years. <laughs> like six years after I'm supposed to be like 10 years in school. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know about like my passions anymore, my hobbies. I think it's just, I don't like to be in like time consuming things like that. I just, I'm very, my, my attention span is short and I get distracted easily. And I think I have so many other ideas. It's just like, I just got to, I got to seed out the crazy way. Yeah. That's just the thought process for myself, you know? Just betting on yourself. Yeah. What was you about to say? You were saying. Oh, I was saying, we could tell you about being in school for six years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But um, I guess now I'm like, what's like some of your long-term goals? Like, do you want to start your own fashion, like house company? Like, do you plan on studying abroad? Like, What's like some of your big goals that you're like, bro? Like I gotta do this. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before she answered that question, what's up? I so I wanted to ask the difference between the Gucci and your current internship right now. Oh, okay. My bad. Um, the difference. The the difference, maybe even the cultural difference. Um. Yeah, like, what are some of the differences that you see within the two companies? All right, cool, cool, cool. So, okay, right at the back, what I noticed just in general is that Gucci is making, like, a step to really have more people of color in general and Black people in their space. And at Oscar de la Renta at the moment, there was only one person that looked like me, and I mean, like, complexion-wise, mm-hmm. 
lock in his ear. And I think he's part of like the creative team. And there's another POC, a part of the creative team as well. But other than that, it's just kind of like cultural switch because it felt like more of a code switch because, you know, my supervisors at Gucci were directly black or, you know, one of them was Kenyan and then you feel me like it, it was more of like a, I guess more of a comfortable, didn't really kind of have to code switch mm-hmm. because it was more on a, I guess because it was online, it was like more like loose, less professional. And then I guess being back in corporate, literally like smacking the dead of like people in suits and business attire and wearing like business casual to the office. You know, and it's just the devil wears prototypes. It's it's more, it's more like cubicle type of situation. Mm, Just because I am on the production side of things, and I'm not rotational, even though I have been on going to other like areas of the business. I think Gucci showed me the whole company, and where so at Oscar. It's just kind of like. Everybody, it just, it just really, it's really a big difference. Like you don't see yourself there. It's like you're the one person there. Like we probably got one more intern that looks like me, but it's like we don't interact like that. I don't. It's not her. Like we're in different departments, so it's kind of odd. Like you kind of got to get in where you fit in. It kind of forces you to kind of. I don't even know. I try not to be in such a like my code switch bubble. So I think that's something I want to actively work on. I don't want to have to like feel like I have to fit the mold of like being professional and like you know the the sense of our society like standards. Mm-hmm. But you definitely kind of feel the need to when you're in a space like that, where it's not as many like people of color, where it seems like more of a kind of um, I don't not less creative, but just. I would say Oscar's style is more like of an elegant luxury, whereas so Gucci has kind of branched off into more pop culture in that sense. So I think they have two different aesthetics. And then with that comes their audience as well, you know? Because like Gucci, they're like, they're like doing campaigns with Tyler Creator and Gucci Mane and stuff like that, and you just don't see Oscar De La Renta doing that. Like Oscar De La Renta is doing campaigns with like, you know, Taylor Swift and Regina King. Mm-hmm. It's just really, it's just two. It's kind of like two different worlds, two different experiences. You know, online, in person. I guess two different means of professionalism, and it just kind of feels more in a box rather than Gucci, who kind of felt like he had a little bit more space. To kind of be yourself. Mm-hmm. So, what have you learned, like, while you were at Oscar De La Renta? Like, what's some of like the major takeaways? Being being at Oscar has definitely showed me the side of how like budgeting is key and meeting like you know your price points are super important. And you can have like all the ideas in the world if you don't plan out like how much this fabric is going to cost. Will it be enough to you know make however many pieces you want? Or if I want this crazy ball gown and I see the fabric I want, but they're running low on it and I want to make like 10 of them, if it's not doable, you know, I need to like have those numbers on deck. You know, I need to be able to kind of 
see the numbers, run them, make sure that I'm kind of getting back what I'm giving in. Because it's like in a business, I, I think I personally don't want to be about money, but sometimes it's like in order to kind of keep things going, you have to kind of see some of that come back into your business. So I can't just kind of be like pumping out all these crazy ideas and not really thinking about, you know, how am I going to get some of that back so I can at least keep, you know, getting into the rest of my plans and stuff like that. So I realized that that's, there's a whole area of business that comes with speaking the factories. I've got to go down to like the domestic factories in New York City and see like how they actually work and like mass produce some of these garments. And I had no idea that they existed. Like, I don't know. I was like, what bubble am I in? Like, I didn't even know they had the manufacturers. And it was just so tight to see. Like, I go pick up a sample. But just kind of taking in that this place exists. And there are people here that you can, you know, send your ideas to. And they can create it. Like, mass produce it for you. And then also, I've been moving into raw materials as well. And with the raw materials section, I also didn't realize the kind of companies on off another rental scale. Sometimes they have their own like materials like zippers and gloss grain and ribbons and you know like things along that line or like horse hair to make like dresses and stuff like that on hand in certain colors. And what you gotta kinda do with that is like match it to a certain color. There's somebody sitting there kind of going, This color works for the dress, this color zipper matches better than this one. And then you, you got to get a certain amount of yardages after your domestic factory so they can complete the cut tickets. And the cut tickets are basically, you know, your orders. Your orders that you need to fulfill. So your cut tickets are behind, your orders are behind, and you just, you're losing business. So it's like all these things work hand in hand to make sure everything is moving flawless. And I think another thing to consider is that fashion is always like a year to two years ahead, you know? So it's like they're they're always working in the future right now, and there's like so much that goes into it more than like you think. So it's kind of like I think me personally starting off a business, I'm like I I need to be a one a one woman show, you know. But after learning something like that, it just kind of reinforces that having a team is okay and is needed, and people are gonna have their strengths in other areas while you have yours. And I think that's why it's important to network across. And so I think that's what I've learned at Oscar is that there there's levels to it. It's really levels to it. And that a business is just not one person. Like, yeah, you can be a one woman show, but you're going to be working like clockwork 24-7 and you might burn out. So I think it's important to work across the people that you know, like have these skills, have the potential and put people on and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of what I'm working towards now too. Like I have a, a new sound inspiration for my business. I, it can be run in the future. A whole new way of having my business plan set up that doesn't revolve around me, but creates a space there where I can bring people onto my team and my business. Really appreciate it. Um, so I guess your heavy question oh. can come now. Oh, the heavy question. So, yeah, I just want to know, like, what you got planned for the future. And not nothing, like, crazy, but, like, just what's something, like, is there, like, a fashion house you want to study at? Is, like, your business, like, the big things, like, you're focused on next? Or do you, like, what, what's something you want to accomplish? Um, I 
uh, my next big step. Um, I know I would really love to go abroad. It was something I wanted to do in college, but I just I just won't have the opportunity to do it at the moment. But I definitely want to go probably study. Excuse me. <laughs> definitely want to go study and like maybe Milan or Singapore, just somewhere, you know, in another country so I can kind of take in that culture and more inspiration that isn't so, I guess, like Western-based or just heavily like based in U.S. culture because I think that'll just add more to, you know, my horizon and just kind of really expand my artistry by just not kind of be kept in one box and what I'm used to. I also want to... I do want to pursue entrepreneurship eventually. I already have like my business underway, but it just hasn't been officially launched in the way that, you know, I kind of envision it. And I think that's what I have for, for now. Like definitely want to work with more companies in the future. Um, but I don't really kind of have a list. I just kind of, I let life take me there. Kind of like as things come on, I let life, life take me there. And um, even with that, I do want to work with Pierre Moss on a design scale for a styling because, you know, they're just making monumental strides in the industry right now as a black brand. I just want to be able to work with more black brands just in general. So I think that's definitely a next step, getting placed in with the new up-and-coming, you know, black-owned, like, luxury brands. What would you say, like, is your brand, like, whether you think like that or not right now, like when people think of KG, Caitlin, like they think of something like, what would you think your brand is right now? Like your style. I know, I know you said mm-hmm. like, you like a lot of colors and stuff, but like just describe it in a few words. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard to put into words because I'm such a visual person. Um, I guess it's just, I like, I like the coordination of colors to work. I'm very much into monochromatic looks, primary colors, uh, oranges, yellows, vibrant colors on that, on that end of things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like a neon. Um, I'm really into like the 70s aesthetic, a hippie aesthetic, psychedelic aesthetic as far as clothing goes. Less detail though, like I, I get that aspect, but like, what do you want people to feel when they think of KG? Like, um, oh, to like associate with my brand. Yeah, associate with your brand. You, you know, what I'm saying like, um, I'm a big Nipsey Hustle fan. When I think of Nipsey Hustle, I literally think of hustle, like motivation, like mm-hmm. inspiration. Um, Rihanna, like Rihanna's cool. Like she, you know, what I'm saying like whatever she do. Tiana Taylor's like that too. Like when you think of Tiana, like you just think of a cool ass chick. You know, she fine and she can dress. You know what I'm saying? I'm dead. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of like what what's something you think of yourself? You know what I'm saying? When like you hear KG. I don't know if I've ever sat down like I have, but it's like I don't know about other people, but I definitely want it to be associated with KG or, you know, Kalos KG, Kalos in general, just provides a space for people just to be themselves. Mm-hmm. 
because the, the word Kalos derives from Greek beauty. Mm, okay. But I want to reinforce that beauty is literally your own definition definition of yourself, what you make it, and how you embrace and express yourself. So when people see my brand, I want them to kind of feel seen, you know? Mm-hmm. I just want them to kind of feel seen and heard and personified through a garment, you know? Yeah. I think I want that, I want that to be what the Kalos brand is about. I like that. From talking with you, like I, I definitely get the vibe that like you love being yourself, like you embrace like who you are. And so that's definitely something like we can feel through the conversation. Mm-hmm. But the branding thing is well, hard because that's like some like, like we're we're like still going through as a podcast and individually because like you know what I'm saying we still have have our personal stuff like we want to do on top of like the stuff we do together. So like. It's like a, it's something I feel like that's never, that never is like set in stone. You're always like, cause you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not like static. Like we're always changing, you know what I'm saying? But like, it's exactly. So it's just something like whenever it comes to your mind, just like, you know, say that shit real quick. See where you at with it. Yeah. And that's cool. <laughs> that part, okay. Even artists, like, you know, they reinvent themselves all the time. Like Snoop Dogg or somebody like 2 Chains, sure. like. You know, there'll be somebody, then they just reinvent themselves. They completely so, somebody else. So, yeah, gotta have room for evolution. But speaking of two chains in the present, yeah, gotta be able to figure right. out what it is, who you are at the same time. What were you about to say? Oh, two chains said he was done uh, making trap music. But my bad, I'm being a nigga. What you about to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We can't. I mean, yeah, it's a conversation. You feel me? But I was just also going to say, like, you know, we, we, we go through this life and we, we, in, we re-invent ourselves and we find ourselves, you know, like, ever so often, you know, like, ever-changing. We're not stagnant. So it's also just kind of like, want to just also be known to be genuine within myself, you know? Yeah. I never want somebody to kind of be like, oh, like, it, this is such a fraudulent interaction or they felt so wrong by me or because I just did, or I moved that, or, you know, I'm pushing this type of agenda. But I think just the genuineness is something I always want to be associated with as well, because it's it's getting it's getting kind of lost at the moment, you know? Probably at, like, a high-paced, like, top environment, because, you know, everybody wants to, you know, get to the top so fast, mm-hmm. instead of kind of take their own route. They want to take the easy route, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of stepping on people rather than, you know, everybody else so definitely want to be genuine in that you know yeah and it's hard like it's not something that's like it's so easy to like fall in that um like i don't even know what to call it like a, a rut or a cycle or just being in a certain environment and like it's a constant fight not to like fall into the tendencies of that environment and like keep being your authentic self all the time because it's like it's so easy to like you know what i'm saying just like dial like dial yourself down a bit to like you know make things easier like those interactions and stuff or like but yeah it's 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 so important to stay true to yourself exactly you can get lost in the sauce can't be lost in the sauce right here at all for sure can't get lost because i think i think that's when you really lose sight of yourself and then you know you gotta come back you always gonna come back but it's just it might just take you longer if you don't realize 
So on a lighter topic, like give me some of your favorite artists you listening to right now. It ain't just some some folks that's like you vibing with right now. What's the streets listening to? The streets the is streets. listening to, of course. <laughs> Tyler. Um, I've been in New York too long, so I've been listening to Dialis by Capella Gray. Wait, say that again. I've been listening to Dialis by Capella Gray. Oh, you might have to. That send has me been that. a song on repeat. Okay, you might. I have to will. Um, I've been listening to OK Coleman. He's a California artist. Super cool. Brian Brown, you know, he's a New York City artist, I believe. I still got Tyler the Creator on deck. You know, it's really, really like one of my favorites at the moment for sure. Uh, Mona Leo. All right, we have to get you your own playlist. We have to get you your own playlist. We need need her whole playlist. So, Flo Millie, Flo Millie Heart. Like, Flo Millie, you know, shout out Alabama. Big, big. And I, then, um, of course, I'm listening to oh, um, that that she's can I say it? Savvy, savvy. Oh yeah, That's savvy from Huntsville. Savvy. Yes, savvy from Huntsville. So, so he going up right now. So like women, like like the women rap game is on ten right now. Like it's so many folks that's like hard. Like give me your your top five. Uh, women rappers right now. We ain't gonna do all time because it's hard. But like, give me some of the top five ones that you just shop with. Because we got like Rico Nasty and them. We got so many of them. So give me some of them. I do have so many of them. That gonna make me go through my playlist. <laughs> yeah, just give us some of them because everybody be throwing names at me now. There's so many good ones. You know, like um, Megan be doing her thing. Victoria was telling me about um, Juicy Fruit from Memphis. See, I think I've heard. Yeah, she actually hard. I actually heard a song and she tough. Um, oh girl, Lakia just came out with the XXL Cypher. She hard too. What about that girl they've been roasting? Who is the one they've been roasting? Who about <laughs> the XXL? Uh, oh, Cypher? um, the light skin. Um, you did. What's her I name? I think when we talking about rappers, I got, I gotta throw Nikki in there. I gotta oh, for do sure. Nikki. Nikki's there automatically. Um. I'm gonna say Flo Millie because he just Alabama. That's just that's just that. Flo Millie really hard. I'm excited to see. <laughs> Flo Millie really hard. She really is. She and she she got her own style, and I get to that so much because you know, like you know, a lot of rappers got like just like similar styles, or you know, like rapping instead of it, it, it's not yeah. the same. You feel me? Especially she's doing her own thing, and it's working. Especially the aesthetic. That's not um, like this. Uh, it's annoying. Like we'll we'll get into that later. But go ahead. That's two. That's two. Two dudes. I'ma add Rico Nasty because it's just it's a rock star to me, honestly. Rico tough for sure. Um I feel like I've been trying to get into more like I guess underground rappers, like underground women rappers, but I haven't really got to native discographies like that to be like top five. But if I had just been listening to that lately, I'm excited to see where Mona is going. Doja Cat, she's, I was so iffy at her at first, but she's becoming a fave low key. I'm gonna be fly. real, bro. On- I've been like, uh, one of my friends, she be sending me Doja Cat songs, and I'll be like, it's not been a bump in my whip, but the song <laughs> hard. Like, I can't even lie. Like, the song be hard. I'll be like, yeah, 
it's, it's kind of tough. Shit, I can't be in the car. Yeah, pretty, pretty be spitting like she really do. Keeping it, <laughs> keeping it be hot in a minute. Like I was, I'm not gonna lie. I was hating. I was like, bro, it's not even all that. But I was like, yeah, she's kind of getting a little crazy it. now. You know, she's coming with the visuals, Thanks. her look. She got the whole like hot rap sound a lot. Honestly, like yeah, she can go. She's back doing and her forth thing, forth. and I can respect that. Back and forth with it because she can make a good song too. back to like the business tip like um let's say like you had a fall launch in store like what would be some things like you would drop like just visualizing some stuff i a fall out with what repeat that more time i said say you had like a fall launch in store what would be some things like her accessories shirts like what would be the type of like items or whatever you would drop like products you would drop uh I really aspire to do some puffer jackets. Okay. okay. I'm really like obsessed with outerwear and I like the the oversized puffer jacket look that is becoming a little like popular right now. Mm-hmm. And even like puffer vests and stuff. Just anything puffer really. Okay. Um leather jackets, leather jumpsuits. I think I'm really a leather fanatic and I love a good like denim jacket. As well, so without a doubt, that'll be something you would see. Leather, leather, leather. I feel leather. like that, yeah. like that early 2000s style is coming back because, like, my mom used to wear like leather pants back in the day. Like, you, like I'm gonna find my way into some leather pants. But <laughs> he ain't lying. Either. I can see you doing it for real. For real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what'd you say? I think the 2000s has it's been kind of 2020 till I feel like before summer 2020. Yeah. I'm gonna let you know my prediction. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna end up back in the 70s really soon. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. So y'all better get y'all some bell bottoms while y'all can. I'm crying. I oh, buy y'all bottoms. some leather jackets. No, I'm serious. I'm my chest. Ain't nobody like... wearing skinny jeans no more. Let's be real. Nah, I'm gonna have my I chest got some skinny jeans on right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so you predict the, the future now. too. So we ain't gonna be. <laughs> I was about to get me a Fubu jersey, so I can't even do that. Oh, I mean, I can try to do a fashion forecast. That's what it's called. That'd be fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should do that. 
if you ever just have like you like, I just want to do something different, bro. You could do a fashion blog. Like niggas eat that shit up. Eat it. This man, like you can still do your little Fubu jersey or whatever, man. I want. I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I don't care what y'all be wearing. I'm gonna do what I want. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Go go your way. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. So, KG, do you have any um, questions for us? <clears throat> Shut it down. <laughs> I do, but I'm trying to find the perfect one. <laughs> um, I want to. I kind of want to ask y'all, like, what scale do y'all see what you're doing now, like going to, you know, like. What is the vision for your podcast as far as it is right now and as far as, like, your vision for it? Oh, I guess I'll take this one. Um, So, like, the podcast is, like, going to be, like, our media outlet. Like, we want to promote, like, businesses and do all that. And, like, but, like, for the most part, the goal is to tell people stories. So, like, you coming up here and telling us about your passion, telling us how you got into your passion. Sometimes us just coming up here and chopping it up about like what we're going through and like what's going on in the world around us, like telling stories. And then like on the back end, like we're going to start branching out into like more like products and stuff. Like the first thing we got planned is a merchandise drop. And we're kind of trying to take our time with it because like we want it to be unique. We want it to be um, something that's like personalized to us. Like we want whatever we put out to reflect like who we are and so after that we just gonna keep running it up because like we have a creative side but we also like to get to the bag so I feel like it's a mix between that for us so I say that's where we at with it yeah for sure definitely and yeah we podcast right now but I feel like at some point if we grow well when we grow to a certain point we will eventually move away and we can have this platform for other people to ultimately become host and you know build their own brand through this avenue as well um like you were saying other sectors real estate is a is a go tech is a Mm -hmm. go alternative energy and all that good stuff i actually had a question that brings back my question now that I had about like your fashion and like how are you one of those people that want to like fit sustainability into your fashion like um the product oh yes definitely like that yeah that's exactly my niche though whenever people are kind of like what do you want this or because I mean sustainability is on the forefront whether we like it or not because first is you know on a Trying to play out because of a, I don't even know if it's a certain, yeah, it's a certain group of people. I'm not even going to captain. A certain group of people at the top that are just kind of overcome a grief. So mm-hmm. I guess for me, just kind of being like a cheap college student, I end up upcycling most of my clothes anyways. And that's me going to the thrift and then creating something crazy bad or something that already exists. And I kind of want to just keep continuing implementing that to my brand and promoting sustainability so we're not as wasteful because we're really wasteful in the fashion industry. So, yeah, that, that's 
that is one of the things that I want to continue to advocate for. So, so what's also like, I know like some materials like are particularly better for certain things. I don't know how, I don't know which ones they are and all that stuff, but like, is there certain materials that are going to go away because of this transition into sustainability um, and things like that? I would hope so. Um, most of your like stretchy type of knit fabrics and that is like your nylon, your spandex made out of plastic and they're just really harmful for you sometimes, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And but you can see with like that, it's kind of like that. The plastic can get into your washing machine. Water from the washing machine gets into the ocean. Now you're stuck in the ocean. You know, it's like, it's like stuff like that. And then I think the jean is a nice, durable type of fabric. So it's not going anywhere. But it's really levels of sustainability. It's kind of hard for me to say who's going to stick around because I think they're kind of. The industry is kind of focused on, you know, let's let's kind of be vegan and and like foolproof and stuff like that. So your raw materials are going to stay, your synthetic fibers, because you're going to get less of that. So what I hope to see less of, which might give me some hate for my vegan people out there, sorry to them, sorry to them for real, but faux leather. It's, it's wasteful, in my opinion. It's, yes, yeah, vegan, and yes, yeah, not being used from animals, but it literally does not last. It's not the same quality. And what ends up happening with faux leather, since it's not quality, it gets messed up easier, and then it's easier to become waste. Oh. I think another thing that's important to think about, like the leather side of things, is we're... People are eating meat, whether we like it or not. You know, like a lot of people are transitioning to, you know, plant-based diets and stuff like that. But we still have a whole, like, surplus of byproducts of leather because of the meat industry that we could be utilizing as fashion. And then that's another way that can be sustainable because we're continuing the cycle of using everything and being less wasteful. Because, you know... That leather, those carcasses, they get burned up, going to the, you know, freaking atmosphere and stuff like that. So it's, it's really levels. It's, it's levels from like the dye, the colors, t shirts that you're wearing. Like, I think a t shirt costs, it's so much, it's like so much gallons of water that goes into that, like wash and dye out. And then dye gets into like the water supply in India and stuff like that. And makes people sick. And makes the water like undrinkable. So I think to say like fabric is like okay, but even the raw materials have their fault. So it's it's really yeah, it gets really tedious if you if you go into the internet, you start looking at it. You're really gonna be in a rabbit hole because it's kind of crazy. So basically, what we're in a point now is we're on borrowed time in the industry to reverse all of this. And it costs so much money because they never thought about it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like the longer we wait, the more it's going to cost. And then eventually they're not even going to have enough money to reverse, you know, 
Yeah. What's happening to our environment? So also, you were saying something about the vegan leather, right? Yes. Um, what is that? Hey, hey, so she was saying the vegan leather, and like I got this vegan leather couch in my apartment. You and don't, bro. Yes, I do. <laughs> this nigga lying, bro. This I nigga promise never told I do. Me kind of lying. Niggas get on the uh, podcast. I talk about they got vegan leather couches and shit. I do. Um, it's vegan leather. You said right. you just get on the podcast and talk. Yeah. I just, he ain't never told me about no vegan leather couch. I ain't want to. I ain't want to flex on nobody. You know. I, All right, my bad. Continue ain't. with your vegan leather, your non-GMO couch. <laughs> non-GMO couch. You fool, so, uh, even though there's a conversation in like sustainability of like fiber toothpaste and you know not buying from certain like. You know, websites and stuff and just certain things. It's harder to, you know, tell people not to buy certain things if they're not in a certain tax bracket because mm-hmm. that's what's accessible to them. So you can't just tell, like, a poor person or somebody who doesn't have that much money to, you know, stop shopping at, you know, Server 21 all of a sudden because, you know, that's what they can afford. It's more so the people who are splurging, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And the clothes that, you know, are, like, terrible quality because it's just wasteful and they don't wear them. And they do these holes, like, every week. So, it, it's stuff like that. So, your vegan leather couch is not hurting nobody. I'm sure you're using it. I'm sure you're sitting on it. I'm crying. You know? So, you just rather, like, the use high-quality materials instead of, like, stuff that's just cheap and they got to throw away? Definitely. Because I think quality promotes longevity. Mm. Longevity promotes a better life cycle. For yeah. clothing, and then if you, you get to that point, companies right now they want to know how they can resell products, and basically, you know, there's a whole resale market where people are selling the whole thing. If companies want to get their products back, but if your products are not quality, you won't have a resale model because your clothes, your clothing is not lasting. You know, the product isn't lasting, or you would buy it back from the customer and then resell it. So like. So, so definitely. So I guess taking it back a little bit, like I know, like I had like a uh, thrifting phase. Like what, like what's your like thrift to like expensive, like like name brand like ratio? Like, are you like super hard on thrifting? Like, do you just have certain like brands that you that you go for on the high end, and then like you get your stuff? Like how, like what? How do you shop? Like, where do you get your stuff from? I. I shop at the thrift. I haven't been on like a lot of websites lately because I've just been trying not to like online shop as much. Mm-hmm. So I used to thrift or I go to the mall sometimes, but I, I find myself like if I'm in Forever 21, I'm only buying basics. I'm buying like, you know, just like random, like, like regular white tees, regular black tees. Okay. I go to Paxton, I buy like graphic tees sometimes. Um, I feel like my name brand steps in with my, my shoes. Mm. Uh, okay. she you can't know, get away Yeezy, from Jordan, Nike. I just think I can, but it's just kind of nice to have. I'm trying to get into more some heels, more on the feminine side of things. And also, right now, my guilty pleasure is Health for Global. Say it again. I definitely yeah. on them bags. You said she said Telfar. Oh yeah, they got. How you get? How you get one of those? 
She on that way. Secure the bag program. Secure the bag program. I'm crying. Yeah, they have it every other month. You gotta, be, you gotta have your money stack because what you can do on the month, like the secure, it comes like, it comes, I think, like two months later. Or you gotta wait a while, but you're gonna get your bags regardless. This one trying to get them out in two seconds. So if you do the security program, you get your bag regardless. It's just gonna take longer to come. So you said security money bag. No, security. It's secure the bag or security program. Oh, something like that. You can Google it. Yeah, Teflon got a hold on on the community right now. They do. So, I think I would like to get more into more designers, but I think I'm just in a moment right now where I've been trying to save money. And then kind of try to force myself to alter the clothes I have to become my new closet rather than, you know, going out and buying stuff. Because it just, it'll help me with my craft more. How's like and then your, also promote sustainability in myself and stuff like that. How's your taste evolved from like when you were like in high school? You said you were trying to find more feminine stuff. Like were you more tomboyish in high school or were you more like uh, just hardcore with your style? And, like, how's it just changed, though? You know what I'm saying? I think I kind of just kind of got out of the more trendy side of things, I want to say. Mm. And maybe that's why I don't, I can't find anything in stores I used to love going into. Oh, you're a cool kid now. I try to kind of, I'm not even, nah, not even in that kid, but it's just kind of like, it's the way kind of fashion works when everything hits mainstream. So it's like it, it gets played out. So then you just kind of feel like I gotta find something new. I gotta find a new niche. That's the thing because about the thing fashion. About me, it's like so hard to keep up. It's like music. Like as soon as something hit the streets, bro, like everybody got it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then and that's and I think that's another thing is like you gotta kind of stand in your own style and just who you are because mm. people are looking at inspiration for you because you're like the influencer type out instead of a follower, you know? For sure. And then it's not to kind of be in that bubble like, oh, like, this person's late, but it's literally like a whole process of there are people on, you know, they're at the beginning of those trends, and by the time it matriculates down, then it becomes mainstream. But they've already found, you know, their own style because it just, like, it's you know, they just all they in they stand in themselves like that much that they're at the front of it. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of like me from high school. I don't have a specific style or aesthetic. I have them tomboys just because, you know, really ran behind my brother. I did track, I did basketball, I did cheerleading, I did gymnastics, I did everything. But also it's just like I don't know. Y'all like talk about well, sometimes style I wake all? up. Do y'all talk about clothes at all because Mikhail got his own style too, or do y'all not even like that's yeah? No, Mikhail used to, I know he was a sneaker, he still is for the most part. Okay, but I know I used to rock his closet too. Actually, that's what high school was. I'm crying. High school was me going into his closet. Not she was, was a little sister that couldn't stay, stay out of his room. <laughs> I'm here in my school. He wasn't wearing. No like, let me borrow this flannel real quick. 
put a little hoodie underneath it, you know. Sure. It, it was sure. kind of like a that kind of joke. Because, I mean, you know, like, I think the style in Bama itself, too, it was just kind of weird, like. <laughs> That's what, say it, well, you breaking up. Say it again about the style in Bama. Hey, my headphones went out. But, you know, the shorties was, like, wearing, like, baggy T-shirts and like, jeans. It wasn't really much like thought put into it or like very like bell like bell sleeves like ruffled you know it was really yeah. too girly for me yeah. to be on that side of things or just like skinny jeans and Victoria's Secret it was like very kind of basic it was name brand heavy for like popular southern brands you can say that basic. I wasn't necessarily into you can say basic one more time I say you can say basic if you want to. Basic. I think we had like a four-year period where it was um, them big ass um, shirts and big ass like sweaters with like short shorts. I think every girl was wearing those hoes for I don't know how long. Yeah. It was like um, oversized tees. Oversized tees is uh, is that is that not still a thing? Like it was like a sorority girl yeah. thing though. Like it was like a pastel, like pastel t-shirt, like all the time. Exactly. I'm talking about a specific or the ones that have the whale on it. Yeah, like a whale. Or they always like <laughs> oh. clever little things on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. And then those like shell the shell necklaces and fairies and mm. yeah. Or it had like, some basic like Southern Denim Company on like or some shit like that. Oh yeah. Sunglasses across the forehead. <laughs> it was really scary. It was really scary. You said it was scary out in the streets. Even like on the more, I guess, black palette thing, it was just, you know, J's, jeans, and a, a matching coordinated tee, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really no thought put into coordinating like a pattern to go with your shoes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I remember like shoes. Growing up, like being able to get all the J's, then my foot, you know, my foot ain't big, but once you get to that certain size, it's a wrap. So oh, yeah, that's why sure. I just started buying all this other stuff like sure. Deodora, Deodora, A6, all that other sure. stuff. Because I was like, man, I cannot drop no 180 on no J's no or plus 220, whatever. You got it for 180, you ain't got money for that joint. Exactly. That shit was dead. Get your little ticket. You gotta go get a ticket. Nah, but people people really dropping five hundred out here for real for real. Oh yeah. StockX, um retail market stupid. Stupid, oh, yeah. bro. Like, that's why I was like, I can't get back into J's until I make it, until I'm just got banded up, then and it don't even matter. Yeah, I would resell though. Like I don't even really like I like J's, but like it's the same thing, you know. It's a new color wave, but it's like the it's like I feel like Jays is one of them things. I got my specific ones that I won't want. Yeah, and it's like, but it's not like the end all be all. Like, there's plenty of other shoes that I like. So it's like when you know my pocket's straight, I'm gonna get the ones that I want. And it's gonna be that. Yeah. I agree. I feel like I got like two pairs I want, and then I'm cool off of them. Yeah, because it it really is a lot of shoes out here. So many options. So many options. But um, what else you got, Trent? I think um, I think I'm good. Like I had a good time talking to you for real, for real. Like you, 
I feel like you got like a big, a big purpose in this. Like I can tell like you're real passionate about what you're doing. And I just need you to keep going. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Y'all know how to keep the conversation going and not boring. So I love that. Sure. And I love to talk to even if my voice is gone. It, it seemed like it got better over time, honestly. That's good. I need to hear what you sound like normally because it didn't sound that bad to me. It sounded, sounded, sounded. No, I think it's because I'm I'm able to like pronounce a little bit better. It was terrible this morning. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't have any more questions. So, yeah. Um, we appreciate having you. It's a great time. I'm happy that you weren't bored. Um, we definitely weren't bored. So yeah. <laughs> Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. And I, I hope we all can see the inspired folks. Straight up. For sure. For sure. Let us know when you're back in Huntsville. Uh, the festival's been kind of going up. So I see us come back in time.